To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast, a companion podcast to the upcoming documentary Backyard Gardens the Movie. A story about two families growing their first gardens in a world that lacks nutrition. I'm your host and director, Ben Neville. All right, so we're here today with a special guest. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast. And we have Batavia from Be Better Gardens on Instagram. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ben. How are you? I'm doing really good. So thanks for having me. Hey, it's no problem. It's no problem at all. So a little history. I follow her on Instagram and I noticed that she was really passionate about gardening and she was, you, you put up a lot of uh, videos and stuff, giving mm-hmm. little tips and stuff that you're into. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's um, it's actually I'm super duper new to Instagram. I just kind of came around my way over the last year or so. Um, and the thing that I really wanted to talk about was gardening. So I think it goes back to maybe June. So not even six months on Instagram. Um, and my kind of especially in the summer daily focus has been like you know in the morning i'm gardening on my lunch break i'm gardening you know in the afternoon after work i'm gardening uh so i thought i'd just kind of share what my experience was and those that are interested would follow along and those that weren't well we're not concerned about that's right and you and you do a really good job and and you're from chicago correct i am so what what zone is that uh, 6B. Okay. Um, or 6 is fine, zone 6. Yeah, it's all about the same when it gets up that cold, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much so. So when's your your last frost date? Um, October the 28th-ish. Okay. Um, and I was tracking it really closely this past year, and it was about right. I pulled um, a couple of um, flowers and flower pots in around the 20th because okay. we had some frost scare. Um, but for the most part, it's been pretty accurate. And in, in the spring? Well, it's April the 15th. I know. Really? I know. <laughs> yeah, that's the date. Um, I actually have a countdown on my phone. I think we're about 55 or 60. What's that? About 70 days out, 80 days out, something like that. I'm terrible at math. Um, but I'm I'm actually historically a really late planter. Like I've planted as late as July. Well, so this will be my... F- I was going to say, that's not actually a bad thing sometimes, in my experience. But it's crazy. You you live, so I'm in North Carolina, and you're that mm-hmm. far north, and your frost and freeze dates are about the same. You must have a hot summer. Well, yeah, July and August are going to be our hottest months. Um, not this past year, because I think everyone kind of felt the wrath of, you know, a really cool and wet spring, um, even into the beginning of the summer. Um, but... I mean, not more than 100. 100 is a super hot day here in Chicago, and I'm in the middle of the city. Um, so it's probably been mild over the last uh, summers as well. We were just talking about before we started kind of a mild winter as well. Yeah, we've had the same thing. And I know I was telling you, but I'll tell everybody else, like our winters can be, I mean, last week it was like, I think we had an 85 degree day. And then the next day mm-hmm. it was like 45 so the temptation is to get out there and get in the garden, but that's not really the best idea. 
Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite parts um, of gardening is that kind of breaking ground, if you will. I love flowers. I love vegetables. I love planting. I love watching them grow. But my favorite part is like when you you first start digging up the soil, when you first start working the ground. Yeah, that's always a good feeling. And you, so you live in the city. How big is your garden? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was actually making some notes. Um, it is a typical city lot. Um, so right now I have 13 garden beds. I do mostly raised bed gardening. I'm extending it to 14 this spring, but that's already doubled in size from previous years. Wow. Um, and one of the things and one of the reasons why I wanted to just start sharing my gardening a little bit more was I took the leap and extended, extended my backyard garden to the front yard this year, this past year. Um, so I doubled the size of my planting space, which I'm super excited about. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, d- yeah. I haven't broken to my front yard yet because I'm trying to fill up my backyard, but it's definitely in the plans. And, yeah. and I've done a lot of reading about it too. So there's a lot of different, um, different plans you can do to kind of, I don't know what your neighborhood's like, but you know, if you have an HOA or something, mm-hmm. people can complain about what's in your garden or in your front yard, but there's ways to grow it where it's actually not your typical veg, you know, tomato in a cage. It's an actual plant. And then you can have like ground cover and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. well, it blends in a little bit yeah, more. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what do you have in your front yard? Well, this is the first year this past summer planting the front yard. And it's funny because all of my neighbors, like everyone, I met so many people that stopped over this past summer, but they all thought it was just flowers because I, for years and years, I've done kind of a flower bed right on the street side. Um, and so from like the walkers by, it just looks like a lot of greenery. So they thought they were flowers instead of like vegetables. But this past summer, I grew okra, quite a bit of okra, more okra than anyone could ever consume. <laughs> um, I did um, I did a trellising system up front, which is another thing I was super excited about. I used the, um, the, um, the panels and I grew on those cucumbers as well as some uh, runner beans. Um, I did I tried my hand at kale up front, but for us with that white moth, if I don't cover the kale, it doesn't do well. So that wasn't a success story, but I did have some great success with um, some shard as well as uh, some of the lettuce did okay. Because remember, I didn't start planting in um, the front until like June. So we were getting into like, although we had a cool spring, we were getting into the hotter months. So I was still putting lettuce seeds in then. Um, So that was a bit of a struggle. I had much more success and consistency in the backyard garden than I did the front yard. Um, But that didn't stop me. I think I even had some good success with arugula up front, even throughout the summer. Um, So this year, the plan is going to be completely different when it comes to the front yard. Um, I am also expanding kind of my experience. I've been gardening for about going on 12 years now. This is probably the 12th summer that's coming up. Um, And historically, I've always just bought starter plants. Right. You know, so big box stores and garden centers. And that's what I put in the ground. And that's why I was able to plant as late as July. Uh, But about two years ago, I started experimenting with like sowing seeds directly into the garden. Mm -hmm. 
And this year, and I almost want to whisper it because I'm both, you know, I'm really anxious about it. I'm nervous and excited. I actually just cleared a space in my basement um, for my vegetable and flower grow room. So I'm going to start seeds in a few weeks now um, to then take those transplants to the uh, both front yard and backyard garden. That's awesome. Yeah, I do seeds. I do. Well, I say I do seeds. I started doing seeds probably about six years ago. And it's been a slow burn. So I'll do a little bit now and then next year I'll do a little bit more. So now I'm about to probably 75% seeds, but oh, that's super cool. Yeah. But it's been an uphill battle. I'm here to tell you it's uh well, what's, What's the challenge? Um, I mean, carrots, this is the second year that I tried to go carrots. It's past uh, growing season and still not that much luck. But most everything else is, is germinated just fine for well, me. Well, it's not really the germination process for me. What it is, it's the hardening off process. That's always been an issue. Uh-huh. So when I started yeah. when I started gardening on my own as an adult, I was living in um, New England at the time in Massachusetts. And mm-hmm. it was it was really cold. And it didn't, it was a slow to get warm. So it was a little Mm -hmm. bit easier, but the sun comes up for a lot longer up there in the spring. And once Uh I finally figured that out, I moved back home to where I'm from, from North Carolina. And it goes from winter directly into summer sometimes. So it it can be really hard process. And I actually just did a podcast um, with Bridget from San Diego Seed Company. And we were talking mm-hmm. about that. And uh, one thing I did do wrong the entire time, which I will not do now, is I would take my seedlings and I would put them on my back porch. And I had a dark gray back porch. And she uh, was saying, like, if oh. you put on the concrete or something like that, because the sun absorbs or that that dark color will absorb the heat, it'll actually fry your plants. And that's probably what I did. I had never thought about that. So... And I wouldn't have either. Um, my porch is a little bit more, a little bit lighter than that. And I had plans on putting it back there, but I have plenty of concrete. That was part of the reason why I expanded it to the front yard because I had so much concrete in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a lesson learned. I've already made a mental note. I am a little bit nervous about the hardening off process. Um, and that's another reason why I kind of relied on starter plants and then only seeds that I could, you know, I had enough time to like just direct sow. Right. Um, but, you know, you, it limits your, your growing opportunities when you just do the starter plants that you can buy locally or you just do the seeds, you have enough time to sow. Um, And at this point, I want to grow all of the things. So (laughs) um, I'm willing to take the leap. So you're a true addict. And start these transplants. Yeah, you know, every year it seems that it progresses, you know. (laughs) And um, I don't even know if this is the height. Like at this point, I because I love flowers so much, I'm not going to sacrifice that space. That's the only space I really have left to grow. I mean, I could clearly do much more container gardening, um, but here I just had so much trouble, like keeping everything, um, you know, watered and all. I don't have any type of um, watering system other than a hose, you know? Um, So I've, I'm going to do a little bit more container gardening this year, but not a whole ton. But all of that said, um, yeah, addicted. Yeah. I, <laughs> container gardening is not necessarily my thing, but I do it for certain things. And one thing, um, you know, the whole reason why I started filming the documentary that we're working on is because my grandfather was really into gardening. And as a kid, mm-hmm. he gardened. I mean, he pretty much ate out of his garden. And he had um, oh, that's so nice. a little piece of property that he had that he just used as a garden. 
And that kind of transferred over to me and I would just watch him work in it, but he got into flowers too. And this year is the first year that I'm going to try and start flowers from seed. So we'll see how it works. It's, I don't really know anything about flowers, but I know that last year I added more in and I had more pollinators come in and that's worth it to me. Absolutely. I, um, I, you mentioned earlier about, you know, HOAs and all, Mm -hmm. and luckily I don't have that. I have, um, one of my cousins, every time I send him a picture, he's like, you know, this is why you can't live with an HOA because clearly you couldn't, you know, (laughs) you'd be breaking the rules. Right. right? But I was still super nervous about kind of reception of the front yard garden. Like how would my neighbors receive this? And generally my direct neighbors, I'm pretty friendly with, but it's still, it's out of the norm. Right. Right. You know, so I'm not the first it won't be the last front yard garden but um you have to kind of travel far to see a vegetable garden in the front yard so i've been thinking about it for years um and just didn't have the guts to do it um and last year for a number of different reasons i just you know stepped out there and I've just received so much positive feedback. Now I have been bribing them with vegetables, you know, so there's that. Um, but yeah, it's, um, gosh, if I could just, anyone that's thinking about it, just go ahead and do it. I was planning on starting off with like a four by four foot space in the front yard just to test the waters. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I started digging up the grass, it was, (laughs) that was it. My 2020 plan, because I was going to do it this year, just, you know, fast forward to last summer. Um, I'm so happy that I, you know, again, took that leap. Yeah. And I have a book that I use. It's, um, man, the, the title is escaping. I've talked about it in previous podcasts. I'll look it up here in a second, but it gives specific plans for your, for gardens. So like they have a plan in there called the uh, food factory garden and mm-hmm. it'll tell you. And then they have another one for like the tomato sauce garden, but they have one for, um, front yard gardens and one of the things that she says in it uh, the the author's name is Barbara Pleasant and she says that if you put um, sweet potatoes in the front yard it's a nice ground cover and I grow them in my backyard so I can I can see that I just like I said I haven't made that jump yet yeah. But in due time. This will be my first year planting potatoes. There's plenty of time. This will be my first year planting potatoes. I'm going to start with white potatoes, mm-hmm. but um, I'd love to be able to do sweet potatoes. If I could just think forward of, you know, sweet potatoes that I can harvest, you know, early fall, right. and then that turns into a dish for Thanksgiving. Yeah. It just gives me goosebumps. <laughs> well, I can tell you the first year we did sweet potatoes, I put them in a uh, four by eight bed. I put five starter plants in a four by eight bed and I pulled them out in September and got 43 pounds of sweet potatoes. Oh my God. And <laughs> the problem I had though, was I put them in a uh, raised bed and they grew out into the yard and I had to, I literally had to run over it with a lawnmower cause it was taken over my whole yard. <laughs> I didn't know they were invasive like that. Well, I guess they're vining. Yeah, so. they're just vines and they would just get, and I didn't really mind, but at the time we were fighting erosion in our yard and, you know, grass is really important for erosion purposes. So I was trying to stay on top of it and I felt bad and I was yeah. like, I'm never going to get it out. And it was, we had a hurricane Florence that year and it, oh, okay. it was my birthday and they were evacuating us. Um, so we had to leave and I said, I woke up and I said, all I want for my birthday is to get my sweet potatoes out. So my, myself and my four-year-old son were outside digging in there and we could not believe what we got out of there. 
so now gosh. we grow sweet potatoes every year because we ate them f- up until june and they keep really well yeah right? they keep well as long as you mm-hmm. keep them cool and dry like if you put them in a dark mm-hmm. pantry they keep really mm-hmm. well yeah yeah i'm excited about it i um there's anything that's like you know any root vegetable anything that grows underground i'm always a little apprehensive about mm-hmm. um it's that moment of how is it doing how is it doing right. how is it doing um and that's if i go back to the starter plants there's kind of that hit start almost that immediate gratification like i know that they're healthy once i put them in the ground you know and then i can monitor you know their progress versus i I planted some beets late in the season first year planting beets Mm -hmm. they're still in the ground now i don't know what i'm going to end up pulling up uh, but they're still in the ground now and it's just that it's a little bit out of sight out of mind too which is a little bit dangerous um while my garden space is still, you know, pretty small and the lot's like 25 by like 100, and that includes 100 feet, and that includes the house, you right. know, my back porch, <laughs> you know, the garage. So I don't have a ton of space, but it's still a lot to keep track of. Um, but that's not a complaint because I love it. Well, it might be kind of like a parsnip where you put it in the ground and if you wait till the first freeze, they come out sweeter. Yeah, yeah. I had that great luck with collard greens this past year. Oh, really? I actually still have collard greens in in um in a garden bed out in the backyard now. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with them. I've eaten so many. I've given so many away. I may end up just pulling those up because they look a bit battered. Right. But I've been watching them as the temperatures warmed up and they perk back up. Interesting. You know. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I have cabbage that's still in my garden. It takes forever to get ahead on it, but I'd leave it and... Last year in the spring, I got a head of cabbage. Mm. How cold does it get, though, there? Um, so we have times where it'll get into the 20s. We've been in the teens, but it's not very often. But mm-hmm. we don't stay cold. You know okay. what I mean? So the cold-tolerant yeah. plants, they tend to do better. I know people, it's very common around here. Like if you drive, in, particularly in the country, which I kind of live in the country, but there'll be people with little garden rows in their, in their yard all winter long with chock full of greens and kale and stuff. And they just grow them all winter, but then you can get a freeze in, come in and kind of take them out. But the problem is, is the wildlife will come in and eat them before we get a chance to. Oh goodness. So wildlife for me in the city, it's uh, squirrels. Um, Luckily I don't have trouble with anything else, but squirrels have been the bane of my garden existence. And they can be destructive. We had chipmunks that ate our uh, strawberry patch before. Oh, I um for the first year um, grew sunflowers, and um, I didn't know how much I was gonna love them, and I had no idea how much the squirrels would love them. Um, so before they even got to the point of you know the birds coming down to eat the seeds, squirrels were like eating them by the mouthfuls, you know? So I was watching from my office and just at some point I decided to give up to them, right? I've enjoyed the beautifulness of the sunflowers. It's their turn. So I've been, you know, strategizing all year long because I want to expand the sunflowers. I'm just like, how can I protect them, but also leave them to be beautiful? I haven't come up with anything yet though. Yeah. I haven't seen anything. I know one thing that like I'm big into feeding the birds in my backyard and we're going to be doing a podcast Mm -hmm. about that eventually. But uh, a lot of people say to f- just go ahead and feed the squirrels, like a separate squirrel feeder. Something else, yeah. And it'll keep mm-hmm, them away. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, they're, they're yeah. greedy little animals. 
Well, I had a friend build a, um, I call it the cage baby. It's in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend build a wooden cage, basically, um, that that's where I grow my kind of full size tomatoes. Cause that, you know, anyone that's ever been around squirrels and probably other, um, wildlife as well they'll take a bite or two out of a ripe tomato and leave the rest for you yeah. <laughs> and um I, I put my foot down a couple of years back um but the only issue is it basically limits my ability to grow tomatoes and that's probably my favorite uh veggie or fruit if you will right. favorite thing to grow is tomatoes like many people um and I've just had to be disciplined, you know, these last couple of years because I've quarantined that space off for tomatoes. Um, and so far, let me see, I don't I think maybe one tomato was harmed in the, uh, <laughs> in the 2019 uh, production of the garden. Uh, so it's been very effective. But I'm thinking about and not thinking about because I've already bought the seeds. I'm going to grow tomatillos, which is my favorite type of salsa mm -hmm. uh, to make. And I'm trying to figure out where I can squeeze those in. I'm hopeful that because they're green, maybe the squirrels won't realize it. I wonder if it's color or smell. But anywho, um, I have a couple of ideas around how to protect those from the squirrels. Oh, actually, I just had a thought. If you put cayenne pepper on your sunflowers it might keep the squirrels away you know and i actually um i tried that but i think maybe it was too late like they had already you know kind of found it sniffed it yeah. out yeah and i did even um there's an organization for save the bees and i was writing to them and you know saying all right i want to make sure that i don't harm the bees what do you think and I, if i remember correctly they were fine with cayenne pepper mm -hmm. um which was cool because you know I'm growing cayenne peppers. I can make my own yeah. and sprinkle that. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, uh, the theory, well, it's not a really theory, is the birds can't smell it. So I know it helps us with the deer a little bit. The only problem mm -hmm. is you have to, like, continuously add it. Like, every time it rains, you have to add it. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah. And the name of that book I was telling you about is Starter Vegetable Gardens, 24 No-Fail Plans for Small Organic Gardens. Ah. And that's a really good one too. Like if you ever want to redesign your beds or anything like that, mm -hmm. it's, and it's, it's just, I can't praise it enough because it's what's got me started and got me going. But I talk about it all the time. I need to like oh, check it get out. it tattooed on my hand or something. So I never forget it. <laughs> you said Barbara Pleasant. Yeah, Barbara Pleasant. She wrote it. Okay. And I think I've seen her. She writes for Mother Earth News too. Mm -hmm, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um I had had plans for the front yard garden uh, for a couple of years. Different, you know. It's probably not accurate to call them sketches, right. um, but I created something to talk about the front yard garden. And what I ended up with is a like maybe seventy percent close to the plan. Um, but I didn't surprisingly enough do that much more research. So some of the lessons I learned last last year included um, my front yard is basically almost all of it's exposed to full sun, mm -hmm. like full blaring sun all day, where all of these years I've gardened in the backyard. And, you know, there's, while well, there's full sun, it's not, you know, eight to 10 hours of full right. sun. So I learned that lesson with some of the things I planted up front that I knew has they've done better in the backyard compared to the front yard. So that's been a little bit of an adjustment this past season, and I'll take that forward to this season. Um, but I am interested in kind of um i've tried square foot gardening before right. um and i'm interested in kind of how to pack in more 
food in small spaces because my largest bed is like three and a half by 10. Okay. You know, um, so, and that's only a couple of the front yard beds. So um, I'm trying to figure out things like what plays best together. I'm also trying to balance out with what I plant, what I really love to eat, what store as well. Um, so a lot of challenges in front of me, but I'm still, I remain excited about it. Well, that's, I don't know, that's one of the things about gardening that I love. Like it gives you room to make mistakes. Right. And sometimes you get a chance to recoup from that that same season. In other cases, it's next year, but you kind of always get a chance to bounce back from it. Well, see, and that's what I like about it is every year you get to reset the entire thing completely mm-hmm. and start mm-hmm. over. And that's I, I think that's yeah. great because you I, like this year, uh, I've talked about it before, but we have a uh, side garden that we started and it was a couple trees fell in the hurricane and it was the woods previously. And I was like, well, let's just take the trees out and make it a garden. So we did. And it got overrun with weeds so bad because oh, I'm yeah. over six feet tall and they were like almost up to my neck. And you, you can't do anything <laughs> about that, you know? Yeah, and I was in yeah. there like in the fall after everything died. And there was, I found like jalapeno plants I had put on the edge of it and stuff. So it was like really bad. But this year we're trying to kind of start over. So I'm playing around with cover crops. And I haven't really mm-hmm. talked about it too much because I don't know a whole lot about it yet. I'm just kind yeah. of feeling it out because, you know, this stuff takes time. And it's yeah. in, t- in 2020, it's a, it's an alien thought to have patience. <laughs> you know what I mean? But doesn't the, doesn't the garden slow you down a bit, it though? Does. That's one of the things, you know. And it's funny because I um, – I have a need to be much more accurate and precise in my everyday life. I have a buddy that we always joke because he just can't understand how I'm kind of, I shrug my shoulders like, ah, it didn't do well this year, you know, and it's like no skin off my, my, you know, back or my nose. And, you know, he just doesn't get it because I'm a little bit more, um, uh, let's say a little bit more concerned about the outcome of things in my everyday life. But I kind of feel like gardening gives me that opportunity to, you know, let loose a little bit, if you will. Yeah, because there's not um, much you can do about it. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe that's just built-in excuses, right? You know, so, well, it's the weather. Well, it's the conditions. Um, right. So, I don't know. We'll see. I got an alarm going off here that reminds <laughs> me to pick up my son from the bus stop, and he's not in school today. <laughs> Fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. First time it went off in here, I thought it was a bomb. I freaked out. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just that the the idea that when winter comes, like all your mistakes, you can you can write them the next mm-hmm. year, and that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. And patience is important. And one thing I did learn through the course of this movie, uh, so far, because we're not done yet, but if you have a um, a plant that's sick, just go ahead and rip it up. Yeah. And put a yeah. new one in. And that's, I, I, that's hard to it's, do. It's really hard to do. You know, I, I grew okra last year as well because we have a, a, a food pantry down the road. So I was going to put an extra okra to donate because around here people love okra. And we mm-hmm. had one and it got infested with some kind of beetle or something. I don't know what it was because it was just so bad. Like there was no coming back from it, but I still didn't rip it up and I should have and just started mm-hmm. over. But, it's 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 a hard thing to do and I'm gonna do it this year. 
Yeah, and I tell myself those things as well. I had remember the the cage baby where I have my tomato plants, mm-hmm. um, and I I just can't help myself, right? So I tend to overplant, and I. And, I probably I fibbed. So that bed is about 12 feet long and four feet wide. And full size tomatoes, I planted five plants in there. Okay. You know, so that's not a lot of space. And um, four of them did pretty well. But one of my favorite tomatoes, the green zebra, was sickly. Um, and it didn't produce much. The tomatoes it did produce were great. But I there was a point where I realized I should have pulled it. I wouldn't have had time to plant another tomato plant and I really shouldn't have because the place was, the space was so jam packed, but you know, then I noticed it started to kind of spread to the one right next to it, the plant right next to it. Um, I'm just so like, okay, maybe it's going to rebound and I know better. It's not, right. you know? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, I can't promise that I'll be any better when it comes to, comes to making that decision and pulling what needs to be pulled because uh, our, our growing season is so short here i think i did the calculation it's like even if the kind of range of first and last frost dates if that was accurate it's something like 190 days but you know i'm not planting tomatoes in april right, right. yeah so it's even shorter than that so i don't get a whole bunch of do-overs for things that have a lowing, low, longer growing season like tomatoes and right. things um but other things like, you know, some lettuces and spinach and things like that, I can, you know, give that a do-over. I think I planted spinach twice last year. I'm still waiting on it, but that's another story. Do you plant in the fall? <laughs> I, this is the first year, this past year, that I tried fall planting, but I think I didn't give it enough time. So I started it in late August, and we got our first frost again in late October, and that seemed to be enough time for some of the things I planted, but I had a brand new bed and like nothing germinated in it. Right. Um, so I can't tell exactly why, but again, what did we say? I get a brand new chance this, uh, right. this growing season coming up. Well, one thing that I do is, um, or not when, what I do. Well, yeah. One thing I do is in the fall, that's when I'll buy the starter plants. Because I'm not really used ah, okay. to putting seeds in, and it's it's really hot here at the end of summer, and it can be difficult to keep up watering for me. So if I get those starter mm-hmm. plants, I feel like I have like a better chance. But I don't really plant as much as I should in the fall, so that'll probably change in the coming years. Because this year I did better than I have in previous years, but I didn't start some stuff soon enough or early enough. Mm-hmm. So like I put my lettuce in and then we had a hot spell and now I just have like bolted lettuce out in my garden right now, uh, yeah. which is a pain. Yeah. See, it's my plan to actually, um, and I wanted to do it this year and it just didn't work out, but I really want to be able to harvest veggies like going into November and December, like cold hardy mm-hmm. veggies. So I built a number of um, kind of low tunnels in my backyard last so we're in January now. So last fall, um, with the idea of like, for instance, the collard greens, I wanted to be able to protect them and continue to harvest from them, um, which that didn't quite work out. But that's my plan for this year and future years. Like I'm trying to get as much kind of time out of my garden as I can. I want to expand the amount of time I can actually eat from my garden. Right. Um, 
And that's it's hard in the Midwest in general. It's for sure hard in Chicago, um, but it's absolutely possible, right? Anything's <laughs> so possible. I actually, yeah, for sure. Well, and I also have an example of it. There's a fellow Zone Sixer um, that that's in Chicago that I've seen do this. Now, it's a lot of protection. There's some hoop houses. There, There's a lot of that that's happening, um, but he absolutely does it. The thing I did learn from him, though, was, and I followed him on YouTube, is making sure things are basically mature when that weather turns cold, right? So you're not going to necessarily grow anything over those super cold months. But if your kale has already matured, then you can continue to harvest off of it, right. you know, as it gets colder, as long as you've protected it. What's the YouTube channel? Um, so, um, it is OYR Frugal Gardening. Okay. Um, I can't th- think of his name right now. I also have a YouTube channel that I've been um, pretty measured with when it comes to posting videos. Um, same name as far as the, the channel name, but... Um, but yeah, I, I have evidence that it's happened. It's been done and I'm sure I can do it again. <laughs> well, spell your um, YouTube channel name so people can find it. For sure. It's B Better, B-E-T-T-A Garden. So B Better Garden, same as the Instagram okay. name. Yeah. Cause, and I mean, I think that's important because like I'm in North Carolina in zone seven. So I try and I and I was in Massachusetts for a while so I try to kind of meet people in the middle and share and stuff like that but mm-hmm. if you're looking for somebody specific to your certain area wherever you are it's great to find a resource close by you know cuz there's mm-hmm. not but so much that like myself can do cuz I was like when I was talking to San Diego Seed Company she, I mean she grows in San Diego they don't really get a winter like we do yeah. But I mean, yeah. luckily it was San Diego Seed Company. So she was really knowledgeable. But like your average person, they don't really have any need to know what happens when it freezes or anything because they don't really mm-hmm. deal with that. Yeah. yeah. So that was really important. And I even. I even, um, and you know, the internet is a great tool and we have a lot of resources across, you know, just general searches and Instagram and, um, and YouTube and documentaries like you're doing. And it's very rare for kind of, you know, us in these certain climates to find someone that's duplicated what you're trying to do. Right. Right. You know, so I remember when I first started in the backyard. Um, so if I go back to like 2008, my very first garden as an adult, I only had like, I don't know, maybe it's, I'm going to get the measurement wrong. It's definitely four feet wide, but it's like maybe 60 feet. That can't be right. 60 feet, ah, maybe about right long, right? right. Um, that's the only space that I had that was true earth, right? You know, it's just dirt there. It's actually one of the reasons that drew me to this house. Um, but that was the only place I had to plant in, in my mind, you know? And so it took a couple of years before I kind of discovered one raised beds. And then the challenge was, while there are a bunch of people that grow in raised beds, they're oftentimes putting it on top of dirt or on top of grass. Well, I didn't have any more dirt. All I had was a concrete patio that was there when I moved in. So I never found anyone that I can remember that kind of was in my climate, with a raised bed growing on top of concrete, you know? And so I didn't know for sure if it would work, but I did find someone growing on top of concrete somewhere else. And I said, why not give it a try? 
and I've had really great success with certain vegetables. Right. Um, so sometimes you kind of have to just take that leap again. You know, if you've checked off num- enough of the boxes, then you just kind of have to hope the, the garden gods are uh, going to play in your favor right. and give it a try. Well, you may have had the single largest container garden ever in mankind then. Three by 60 <laughs> feet. Is that 60? That, not, maybe maybe 40 I'm sure the measurements are somewhere. That's in my a phone. really big container garden, though, because essentially that's what it is. Well, that was, yeah, that's that can't be right then, because that sounds it sounds much bigger than <laughs> than. <laughs> Listen, I garden, I don't do math. Yeah, uh, no, you're good. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's like when it comes to measuring out my plants, I have an issue. For some reason, I always pack them too tight. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. how much time do you spend a week? You have a fairly large garden. How much time do you think you spend um, either a day or a week working in your garden? Let's see. Let's hope that my employer doesn't listen to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just don't share it with them. So last, yeah, right. So last year, um, it's almost like the asterisk because I spent so much time building, you know, expanding the garden. Um and it's hard for me to judge what this year is going to be, but I'm going to say somewhere between, you know, for sure an hour a day mm-hmm. on average. And so I'm just trying to measure that from, you know, p- initial planting where I may spend three or four or five hours in a day right. to the point where I'm getting towards maintenance. Um, because again, I d- I'm watering everything by hand um, and, Although I don't water every day, there seems to be always be something to do or check on every day, which for me, it's fine because I work from home and I enjoy it. Um, but it can be a little bit overwhelming. Like I'm planning my vacations around my, right. <laughs> around the garden peaks and all. Um, there were days, though, at the beginning of last year when I was expanding where it was, you know, more than a work day. You know, on a, a Saturday, I could spend 10 hours digging things up and putting the building raised beds and hauling dirt and all. Right. But uh, that's talking about building a bed. You know, once you get down yeah. to just watering and picking and a little bit of weeding, you know, and, and again, you have a really large garden, it sounds like. So, that yeah. you know, in an hour a day, that's if you think about it, though, that's really not that bad. It's not a lot of time when you think about what else you can spend an hour a day exactly. doing. And I have in my phone the note, I am way off. It's four foot by 33 feet. Okay. That's the, <laughs> the side gardens. <laughs> it's still big. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, and that's in the backyard. But yeah, and again, because I obviously either underestimate or overestimate, maybe it's 90 minutes depending right. on the wind. Um, but for sure in August and September, things were kind of on autopilot beyond the watering, um, which is it's nice because things have started to fill in then. You're really you're actually able to see the fruits of your labor. Right. Um, and all of that time kind of up front, even with the initial planting, is really worth it. Um, the only thing I haven't done a lot of is there are a lot of things I haven't done a lot of with gardening, but um, it's kind of the um, the idea of what do you call it when you you plant something in June, then you pull that up, and then you plant something else again in July. Yeah. Um, because our growing season is so short, mostly what I plant is what's going to be there for the entire season. Um, so I imagine with that, it's a little bit more time consuming as well. Yeah, I mean, you're doing a lot of planning then, and if you're doing seeds, you're you're constantly starting seeds. And for me, my seed starting is really the reason why I do it is to help me get through the winter because you know I get bored 
But mm-hmm. I stay so busy in the summertime because most of the activities I do are summer related. So when it comes to, yeah. the, to the winter, you know, the gardening's done and everything. And then you get through the holidays. I take all of January and I don't really do a whole lot. And then come February, it's time for me to start some of my seeds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'll start in waves. So like the first one I'm going to do, uh, I don't know what's the date. Yeah. So I have like a week and then I'll start my eggplants. But, you know, my last frost date is April 16th, and my first frost date is November 5th. So we're not too far Mm -hmm. off from you. Only, you know, a week or so on either side of it. Um, I don't know. For for me, one of the challenges is, you know, kind of the quantity to plant of each thing. Right. Right. That's why it was easy just to buy starter plants because I can buy, like, I'm not going to, because it's just me, I'm not going to, um, you know, consume or even give away more than, you know, two eggplants, plants worth, right? right? You know, so I've, over the years I said, oh, does it really make sense to buy seeds? And then you basically are stuck with all those seeds. And it absolutely does. When I, I kind of closely have monitored so far my budget for 2020 and the amount that I've spent in seeds alone is like an nth of what I would spend over the time you know buying starter plants for veggies and flowers because I would buy it all Um, so and I know that I'll get at least a couple of years if not more out of those seed packets because again while my space is large when it comes to the everyday home it's still you know it's not acres right right I have to pick and choose what I want to grow and how much I want to grow up and I and I mean, I I hesitate to use the word preach, but that's exactly what I do about that because a lot of people want to start gardening to save money. And then mm-hmm. once you get past the initial startup, which you don't even have to have a startup cost, really. All you need is a shovel if you have mm-hmm. a, a patch of soil. But then buying starter plants gets very, very expensive. Yeah. And the seeds... Very quickly. Yeah, I mean, you sound. did you do all the math to break it down? I didn't do the comparison between starter plants and the seeds yet, but I am tracking what I'm spending in seeds. Yeah, because I would be curious to see like the money that you save off the seeds. Can you spend that same money the first year to build something or like get yourself a little grow station with some grow lights and stuff mm-hmm. to, so you can be like real successful with it? I would be mm-hmm. curious to see how it would offset. Because once you get all that stuff set up, and like you said, some of the packs of seeds, they last for the year, for years Mm -hmm. to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because even, um, so right now I'll need to purchase the lights, lighting, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But as I was setting everything up, there was so much for me, I was able to repurpose. Like I already had the shelving units, right? Right. Um, And I've had them for years. So some of the costs are kind of sunk, if you will, or you've already spent that money. Um, And you're right. The initial upfront costs, you know, if you have that in your budget, absolutely go for it because while it feels great to have, you know, to go out and buy a plant and put it in the ground immediately, that's like time saving. You control kind of your garden destiny. You dictate kind of, you know, when you're going to be able to plant what, because when you mentioned about um, using starter plants in the fall, you can't find much in the fall around here. Oh, really? Like the stores have basically transitioned on to something else. There's some nurseries that have some starter plants, but they're pretty beat up by the time, you know, you get to August. Yeah, they're rough um, here so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the big box stores, they're way, well beyond starter plants by then. You know, they're they're already putting mums out, you know, yeah. in August. 
so, so yeah, but you can control that if you wish. At least that's my plan, right? I can start if I wanted a new batch of kale plants later in the summer indoors and, you know, be able to plant those for the fall. Those are my big ideas. We'll see how long it takes me to put all of those into to action. Well, I got to say, I follow you on Instagram and stuff, and I had no idea you had that many gardens in your yard. Yeah. You got to step up your um, game. I'm telling you, listen, there is so last year you would have seen 11 because I've already added two um, very small, like kind of three by three. Those measurements are right. Three by three uh, fire pits is beds in the front. So that brought me to 13. And I have one metal garden bed that's in a box that I'll have to put up in a couple of months outside. So that'll be 14. Right. That's where I'm going to put my potatoes, I think. Um yeah, I'm trying to use every single bit of space that I have. I'm also, I've, I'm glad you mentioned it. I um, I have plans because I have a surplus, as you can imagine, with all of those beds. In addition to my neighbors and family and friends, I have a couple of uh, food pantries that I'm hoping to donate to as well. Um, and that also gives me kind of free reign to grow many more things. <laughs> so it's a win-win. Yeah, I mean, one thing we donated, I mean, our, I took trash bags of eggplants last year and only had three eggplant plants themselves. And I planted one extra to give away. And I went and the lady was like, how many plants do you have? And I was like, three, that's it. She's like, that's it. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, it doesn't take much to get, I mean, there's not, but so much you can eat and they don't really uh, preserve as well. So, and do you, I saw one recipe that I was going to use. Um, and it's, I think I had two eggplant plants last year. Um, but there's only so much of that that you're going to eat as well. It's kind of pickled eggplants. Right. Um, preserving, I think is where you're going to hit. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you do any of that. No, cause no, remember I went from, you know, a itty bitty, you know, what four by 60 foot mm-hmm. I joke <laughs> so I went from a small garden where um I didn't have a bunch of food to keep I could eat everything fresh to like more than double in, in size last year so I've just tried my hand last year at um preserving pickles you know kind of first step in and preserving things and I did I actually have a video coming out in the next month or so um cowboy candy or, you know, candied jalapeno peppers. Mm. Um, and so I preserved those. I actually took them to uh, my family's house for Thanksgiving and it was a hit. And it just is a little bitty appetizer. Um, so I'm looking to preserve more. I have all of the material because it always takes me a couple of years to pull something off, Ben. So um, I have jars, mason jars from two years ago that I've bought that I'm just now trying to open so I can continue to preserve. Yeah, we uh we started with pickles and I start and then I went to jalapenos. That's where mm-hmm. I started canning with and um I'm I'm very particular about my pickles. I only eat Clausen pickles. Ah, and okay. So uh-huh. we found the recipe for Clausen or I don't we've kind of found it and cracked it. It was a little bit of like tweaking. So now mm-hmm, we have the mm-hmm. recipe for Clausen pickles. And oh, you have to share that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I have it on my Instagram. Maybe if I don't, I'll put it up there. But um, that was where we started. And then we've kind of gone from there. But and I did a whole series on the podcast about um, drying food and then freezing food and canning food and Mm -hmm. freezing food or, you know, and we started in that order. But I think freezing food is the best way. Yeah, I did. um I did do a, a batch of um, okra because, again, you know, 
it's just so prolific, right? right. Um, and I planned on using the majority of it for gumbo and coming into the new year, but I didn't get around to making it. And I did, I froze some up green beans as well, um, because when they come on, they come on. Um, so in addition to canning, I have done that. Um, but I am looking to get into your traditional, you know, tomato sauce and salsas that I mentioned earlier. Um, and that kind of goes back to the idea of like summer can be super busy when it comes to gardening what I'm already doing and then what I plan on doing. And it kind of leaves a void, you know, once that weather breaks and it gets colder and, you know, these months I've kind of missed it. So that's also why I'm excited about kind of the grow room now. It gives me a chance to like put my hands in dirt yeah. <laughs> and not freeze while doing it. I do it so I can smell the smell of a tomato plant in my house. Oh, I didn't think about Best that. Best smell yeah. ever. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but I just, I love that smell. I'm always so surprised. So if I've been gardening for 11, almost 12 years, every year I've had a tomato plant or, or more, mm-hmm. I'm always surprised by how quickly they I grow. I know. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like over 90 days. It's like you have a whole tree here. How did that happen? Yeah. And it's funny too, because this podcast is actually going to come out in the middle or right at the after the uh, seed starting series that we're doing. So everything kind of ah, fits very in good. good. Yeah. And I knew that, and that was one reason too that I contacted you is because I knew that you were going to start seeds for the first time, mm-hmm. um, or not the first time, but you were getting started. And I saw what you bought, and I was like, "Wow, she went, she went crazy at the store." So it was really well. First off, Ben, <laughs> let me correct you. And what you saw was the seeds that I already had. Oh. I have a whole other video that I'll be doing on the seeds that I've purchased. <laughs> um, so, so I've gone crazy here. I have um, a few different things that I'm growing for the first time, which I'm excited about. Uh, like all of my peppers will be like, you know, for the first time I'm growing those obviously from seed. Um, but, but yeah, this is, um, sometimes I kind of feel like, are you overdoing it B? Yeah. You know? And then I'm like, it doesn't even matter if you are, you know? <laughs> so I have that internal dialogue with myself off. I've seen so many memes about it that it's definitely a real thing. <laughs> but I mean, you have to account for die off and stuff like that too. Right. So I always make a little bit of extra and then whatever I don't have extra or whatever I have extra after everything's done, I give it away to people and they're, and that's exactly my plan. Yeah, yeah. And they're lucky too. Cause I've already got done the growing, the hardening mm-hmm. off, you know, by the time they come and get them, they're just sitting outside. So all they have to... And if you start comparing that, you could even do... A, we were talking about the comparison of the pricing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, a transplant with, in my area, on the lowest end, unless it's on clearance, you're going to pay at least $2, probably more like $3 per transplant right. if you're buying them from the store. And, you know, you could easily get a package of seeds for that price exactly. right and so i've been thinking about it to say you know even if i only grow five of these poblano peppers and jalapenos are my favorite um but even if i grow five jalapeno plants well, i'm going to do much more than that five poblano pepper plants it's still at an nth of the price even if i give away half of those because i'm still challenged with how much space i have to grow all of these things um but yeah, it's um I'm hoping to also use that as an opportunity to encourage others to to garden a bit more. Right. Um, cuz that's my mission. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's ours too. Um, that's exactly what we're doing. I mean, we I, anybody can listen to this podcast or watch our movie or anything like that, but when it comes down to it like 
we're trying to encourage people to grow something mm-hmm. and it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a huge garden. It can be just in a pot, one plant just yeah. to get back to and know where your food comes from. I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, there's like, you know, everyone that's an avid gardener has a garden story and part of the thing and it, and, you know, Everyone that stops in front of my home, I mean, we were talking dozens and dozens of people over the course of the summer would stop. Some that were like, when did you move in? I'm like, I've been here more than 10 years. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it's the because it can be a lot, you know, even though it's a small city lot. It's still a lot when you look at it, you know, even over the years, my backyard garden, when I used to share it on um, social media, it still seems like a lot. But I tell you, the first garden that I ever planted was with the help of my grandparents. And I'm, I don't have pictures, but I'm sure it was nothing more than a couple of tomato plants, probably a couple of cucumber plants and, you know, maybe a pepper plant. Right. right? So you don't for me, I didn't start with what's the count now? Almost 14 right. you know, garden beds. Right. That wasn't the start. It took me years to get to this place. And again, that's not even where everyone wants to be or needs to be for that matter. Um there's a certain satisfaction, I think, that you know most people get once they grow something that they're going to eat themselves. Right. And you know, um, do you live in like the suburbs? No, I'm in the middle of the okay. city. Because I was going to say, you know how yeah. the suburbs, what they were created for, right? They, everybody got, you know how you go and there's a neighborhood and everybody gets like a half acre of land or something. <laughs> they were created that way specifically so people could have their own gardens and grow their own food in their yards. That's where it all started for you to have uh, like half acre or quarter acre or whatever it is. And this is, you know, back in the day, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't have my notebook in front of me, but that's where it started. Everybody would have their own garden to feed their own family during that time. And over time, it's just kind of gotten less and less and less. And now we're seeing a resurgence in it and people are bringing it back and they're starting to garden more. And again, it doesn't have to be a huge garden. I mean, I, I think a lot of people get Pinterest envy or something and they'll look and they'll be like, I could never have something like that. Or I could never be like Batavia and have 14 gardens. And I mean, you know, it took you 12 years to get 14 gardens. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand. And you started with one garden. Mm -hmm. I went and there's a couple that we did and they are, uh, they work for um, North Carolina state university agricultural. And they have this amazing garden. And I was talking to him, I was like, man, this is just the craziest thing, you know? And he was like, we've been here 35 years. It's literally taken us 35 years to get here. And every year we add to it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that was really Mm -hmm. eye-opening to me. You know what I mean? Because it's like I had four beds at the time and now we have the other one. But it's just, it's a slow burn process. And there's no rush. Absolutely. And then it's... It's everything that's surrounding you, too. So um, over the years that I was gardening with, you know, first that one small space, basically it's the equivalent to three raised beds. And I expanded to like, you know, six raised beds and so on all of that time. And that's probably, you know, kind of on a smaller scale. All that time was you know, I was going downtown to work every day, Mm -hmm. right? You know, so between the commute time, the time actually being at work, you know, other life commitments. 
my timetable didn't really allow me to comfortably expand, right? Things happen when they're supposed to. So this past year, um, my current job is 100% remote. So I work out of my home every day. So I don't have to worry about getting up at 5.30 a.m. to get on a train to go to work. I can get up at 5.30 a.m. and, you know, before the the heat hits and water my veggies, Right. right? So that's a balance of me being able to manage what's going to be now 14 beds, right? right? If I was still kind of commuting every day to work, maybe it wouldn't be 14. Maybe it still would be something like two or three or four or five, right? right. Um, so I, I think kind of those things, you end up working it out, but you have to start at a place if you're going to start. And one is always a good number. <laughs> um, and I think that, again, some people are just content with one bit, you know, they get a few of maybe some herbs, maybe a couple of things their family really enjoys, and that's enough for yeah. them, right? That connection with, you know, Mother Nature, that connection with the thing you're consuming. Um, and then other people will decide they want a little bit more. I don't know. I kind of feel like, to your point, I didn't know that about the suburbs. It's almost like gardening is a life skill that I'm glad that's kind of reemerging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and at the obviously, you know, you have all kinds of farming that's going on, but kind of at the local, you know, everyday home gardener level, that uh, this is really kind of getting back into the, you know, spotlight, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the you know, when we started writing the premise of the movie, it was everybody was like, well, there's so many farms around, but it's like all that food that's being grown for the most part is for animal feed. So we have like in our area, we have houses or not houses. We have communities that don't have access to fresh food that are literally right next door to a farm, but the food is not for them to eat. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, that's something, yeah, yeah, it's really sad. You know, you got people eating at gas stations and, you know, McDonald's and they don't really have access to this really good nutritious food, but they get to sit there and watch it grow on somebody else's land that is for specifically to feed animals. And I mean, I'm a vegetarian, but I don't really try and push it on people. But mm-hmm. it's really, you know, people need to eat their vegetables. And I mean, when I was a kid, I hated hearing that from my parents. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Eat your vegetables are good for you. But it is true. They are good for you. Absolutely. And you need access to and- them. And the thing is, um, so the very, very short version of my garden story was, um, I remember my first memory of gardening was a local plot that my grandparents managed along with other, you know, neighbors. Mm -hmm. And I remember needing to go to the bathroom. I probably was like somewhere between five and six years old, needing to go to the bathroom and my grandmother taking my hand and me being so afraid that I was going to see a snake. (laughs) Right. You know, so it's like trauma. Right. Right. You know, and then fast forward a couple more years where you know, instead of being able to go outside and play, you know, I was, you know, breaking beans and shelling peas, you know, and it's like, again, torment, right? And so then you fast, yeah, right? You Well, then, right, you fast forward a number of more years. I don't want to date myself here, <laughs> but a number of more years. And while I'm eating vegetables, I've not even thought about gardening. And I saw that space when I viewed this home that... We're going to get the math right this time, four by 33 foot plot, you know, and said, I could have a garden here. Right. And then you fast forward to 
having, and not even from the farmer's market, having a freshly grown from my backyard cucumber the first time. It's amazing. And I had to question what I was buying in the grocery store. Yeah. yeah now, and they're just some vegetables and fruits that are just like that. So if nothing else, right, it kind of wakes you up to say, this waterlogged tomato that I just purchased, you know, even if it's organic, it's going to be wholly different than the thing I'm going to harvest in, right. you know, August if I'm lucky. And even you know? if, and it, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's an organic tomato. I'm like, even if you don't grow organic in your garden, you're still better off than what they do on the farms mm-hmm. because you know what's going into that tomato. Absolutely. And it's ripened on the vine, you know, I mean, they don't pick them when they pick them, they're hard as softballs. Mm-hmm. So they have to then ripen in, a, in the back of a truck. So, And the idea of how long it's, it's the question about how long a veggie can sit in your refrigerator or on your counter when you purchase it compared to when you get it out of your yard is a big question mark. Like, right. what's, How is it possible that this thing can sustain itself for this long? Well, like you said, first off, it wasn't ripe when it was picked. Right. You know? um, so, so yeah, I mean, there, I, and I don't want to be preachy either when it comes to gardening. Um, I learned to swim a handful of years ago and I was kind of on the, again, swimming a life skill, which absolutely can save lives. Um, And it's one of those things where you don't realize it until you actually are in it, how important it could be. Um, And sure, there's plenty of food. You know, I have a car here in the city. I can drive to any number of stores to get you know, any kinds of food. Um, But there's just a different level of appreciation you know, let's not even start talking about eating in season. Yeah, you know? that's what we do. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's it's um it's again a different experience. You don't realize the thing that you are buying from the grocery store. One hasn't grown anywhere near your home, and two, you know, it um is not in season because it hasn't grown anywhere near your home, and that's a different taste as well. Well, what we do is we only buy fruits and vegetables that are grown on the continent on the continent of North America. So we can still get like tomatoes and stuff, but we have to make sure they come from Mexico. And, you know, so therefore we're not eating oranges in July, but I can tell you right now it's orange season and I am tired of eating oranges because that's really all you can get. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. I actually have the last one. Um, I, I tend to put them in the refrigerator because I like it chilled. Ooh. I know that some of that stuff isn't the best, you know, for some fruits and veggies. And I'm on my last orange now. But like you said, there's no shortage of no. them. So. But I would I would literally, I don't want to say literally, but I would kill for a plum right now, a black plum. Uh, That's yeah. my favorite. You know. Is it? I'm okay with, um, because I, another thing that I've done when, since I was young, you know, I, I love going to the grocery store. I love seeing all the produce. I love seeing all of, you know, your veggies and your fruits, just a display of it. Like I'm enamored by kind of colors and things of that nature. And that's another reason why I love gardening. Um, and I'm okay with eating certain things in season. And the only thing that I struggle with is tomatoes because it's probably my favorite. And I spend about a month, you know, boycotting tomatoes after the garden season. I've eaten the last of right. them because I'm like, I'm never going to get a better tomato until next, you know, mid- next summer. And then I give in right around now and I start buying them and then I'm disappointed and then, you know, it kind of washes over me and I kind of go back to eating the waterlogged tomatoes and being just fine with well, it. Well, a lot of tomatoes in wintertime come from Michigan. Now, 
but when i think they're oh, greenhouse probably in, um greenhouse tomatoes yeah, yeah so i mean we've we've found that as a pleasant surprise because hmm. i mean yeah i we would buy them and they'd say you know michigan and i'm like really but it, it has to be obviously it has to be greenhouse tomatoes yeah, i'm totally yeah. cool with that because i don't know where else they would come from this time of year but mm-hmm, it's, yeah, good point, it definitely yeah. this time of year it, it gets really hard we eat a lot of salads mm-hmm. and stuff like that this time of year and you know for me in the winter time i don't really want to eat a cold salad but yeah that's um that's a struggle for me as well i'm okay with eating a cold salad but i need something else warm that day yeah you know <laughs> so i need to balance that out i went out of town this weekend to for work we uh we were filming something and there's a restaurant it's a famous one it's called chef and the farmer and they mm-hmm. grow their own vegetables and that's what they serve so everything is local and their farm i th- it was nighttime when I went there. I believe their farm is like a mile away maybe or something like that. But when I went in there and I was like, okay, let's see. You know what I mean? I was like, I want to see if this is what they grow. And sure enough, it was like a little bit of spinach. And I had like a uh, carrot and goat cheese pizza type thing. And so, and every plate, because there was like, there's 11 of us. And every single mm-hmm. plate had all the vegetables were sure enough were like seasonable vegetables for our area. And it was really oh, eye opening. So okay. somebody asked me, you know, would you go back? And I was like, well, I would go, I was like, I would definitely go back when it's warm because I would like to see how the dish changes versus mm-hmm. how it is now. Because, you know, a carrot and goat cheese pizza, it was good. Don't get me wrong. But that doesn't really like satisfy what I want as far as like a fresh vegetable. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so yeah. it was an interesting experience and you know, everything was local, but and you don't you don't see that a lot. So it was it was definitely worth doing. And that was in uh Where was this at it was again? in Kinston, North Carolina. It's called Chef and the Farmer. <laughs> so they're on Instagram. They got I mean, they're huge followers. I didn't realize that they were so famous, quite frankly. But they have been on the news and TV and all kinds of yeah. stuff like that, like national news. So it was interesting. So if you ever get to Kinston, North Carolina, go to Chef and the Farmer. I'll mark it down in my notes. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I love the concept of, um, and I was thinking about this as an idea, and we'll see. It may take me a little while to pull it off, like a month of consuming only from your garden, right? And I think I may be on the cusp of growing enough food and enough variety to satisfy me to be able to do that, mm-hmm. you know, looking at like August or September or something. And again, it's it's one, it's a challenge, another way to make garden fun, but just the idea back to your point of um, we obviously all come from generations where food was grown, right? There weren't, you know, go back enough years, there weren't stores to purchase right. food, right? Um, and, you know, there's a whole thing about status, you know, you fast forward, you know, a number of decades and there's a certain type of person that, you know, kind of has a garden or farms and they're not the ones that are successful. And I'm so glad that that's turned around because while that wasn't true, that was a perception, you know? So now it's like, oh, you're the super star that has their own garden that's growing their own vegetables right. uh, and it's something that we can really kind of you can put people up on their your shoulders and um and be excited about that's what they're doing um yeah it's uh, it makes me smile from ear to ear i had a, one of my best girlfriends known her since second grade she sent me a picture today or um, a link about pallet fencing for gardens mm-hmm. and i'm like i finally gotten through right like <laughs> i told her she's speaking my love language right you know um 
when you know you're getting through when the people that you care about and that care about you kind of know what's going to interest you. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of palettes, I have my compost piles made out of uh, palettes, but I remember, didn't I um, message you about putting plastic over your compost pile? You did. So one, I don't you over the leaves, right? So right. Um, since I'm in such a small space and I'm definitely afraid of mice, I've not been able to take the leap to compost because I'm just so afraid of okay. mice and I can't figure out a way to, to get around that. But you did message me around because um, when I was putting the, the garden to bed this season, I was collecting leaves and I had leaves all over. And I wish I would have taken your advice because either I put them out too early or just with this weird weather we're experiencing. So you, you would normally put them out, you know, just before the next snow. Right. And then for us in Chicago, you know, you'll see them again in the spring. Um, but we've had so many warm days, so much rain, so much melting snow. So most of the leaves I put down since I didn't cover them are sprawled ap- across my yard. Uh, <laughs> so I'll have to make a note of that to give that a try again next I was year. Say, it's never too late. If you put it out there in the snow, it'll actually melt the snow underneath. Oh, yeah, yeah gets... but only half of the beds are covered with leaves now because uh, of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been crazy here, but I'm not, I'm going to be okay with it, and I'm hoping for a real early spring. Well, cool. Well, I have a couple questions that I ask my um, guests, surprise questions. Sure. So Uh-oh. my first one is, what is your favorite fruit or vegetable to grow? Your absolute favorite. Absolute favorite... Um, I'm going to go with, it's boring, but it's true, tomatoes. There's nothing wrong with that. Why do you like growing them, though? Um, I, I think it's, again, kind of the, from the start to finish, it's one of my favorite, I guess tomatoes are fruits, one of my favorite fruits to consume. And I love the idea of being able to eat many more tomatoes and types of tomatoes compared to what I can ever buy in the store. Okay. Right. Like who knew there was actually a black tomato, yeah. you know? Um, so I'm always intrigued. It's like a never ending supply of tomato opportunities. Uh, so that's probably why it's my favorite plant. And I've always had success with it with the exception of that one plant last year. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I love tomatoes too. And I think, you know, you say it's boring, but I don't think it is. I think it's a staple in everybody's garden mm-hmm. and I actually mm-hmm. don't care to eat them as much, but I still love to grow them because they just, they produce yeah. and, it's a good way to make you feel like you're successful at something. You know, when yeah, all else fails, yeah. you'll have a tomato. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what is your, um, why do you love gardening? <sighs> now I should have predicted this question. Um, <laughs> it's not original. I, I think yeah, <laughs> it's like my, my tomato selection now, but it's, it's so layered. Right. So I think the short answer is, um, it gives me an opportunity to feel like I've created something, right? And the what I can create is almost endless, you know? So sand's kind of my climate. I can grow so many of the things that I want to eat and much more. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not a creative, right? You know, so you don't see me painting. You don't see me, you know, creating, you know, any type of art, but I can create in the garden, Um, and that opportunity, like we talked about, of doing it again and again and again, it's just, I don't know. It just makes me smile from ear to ear. Uh, that's a really good reason. I will say 
that is definitely a good reason to love gardening. I read that from a script that I created. No, I joke. <laughs> hey, in my line of work, that's okay if you read from a script because everybody else does. And I didn't have to write it for you, so kudos to you. <laughs> and then last but not least, do you have a recipe that you would like to share with everybody that's got, you know, vegetables that you grow or something like that? Um, so this is not my recipe, but my favorite of last year, um, there are two. So I'll give you one. It is a, um, it's, um, how does she describe it? Um, unrolled, um, stuffed cabbage. You know, so you have, you know, you have cabbage rolls, Mm -hmm. stuffed cabbage rolls. So she basically the, from the recipe that I got deconstructed it. Mm And so it comes across more as a soup. Um, But based on the consistency of tomatoes and all, I kind of feel like it's more like a chili. So you can absolutely make it vegetarian because the original recipe has beef in it. Um, But you can pull out the beef and it, you know, kind of has the cabbage that's flourishing in it. It was my favorite thing. I actually have some in the freezer. I forgot that I froze that until you asked. And I plan on thawing it at some point over the next month. Um, so that was my favorite. And I'll get the pronunciation slightly wrong. So I'm going to give you a second. Chile Rellanos. Okay. Um, I made them for the first time last year with poblano peppers that I grew in my yard. And absolutely, it's basically stuffed peppers. You know, you can serve them in a few different ways. My absolute f- second favorite from the garden last year. So your stuffed cabbage, how do you go about making that, though? So the stuffed cabbage traditionally is just cabbage rolls, right? But the um, kind of unstuffed version, if you will, you start off by shredding cabbage. Um, you It's cabbage, um, carrots, onions. You saute that um, with oil or if you want to sweat it with just water, it's fine. Um, if you're using it with beef, you'll brown your beef separately. Uh, you add things like tomato sauce as a base. Um, if you want it chunkier, you'll add, you know, tomato sauce and diced tomatoes, if you will, okay. fresh or canned. Um, so this is all now starting to get into the same pot and it's almost a one pot creation. Um, some of the herbs are things like oregano, a little bit of brown sugar, if you like it a little bit sweeter, um, you know, salt and pepper and things of that nature. And basically once everything is cooked separately, the shredded cabbage, carrots, onions, a little bit of garlic. And once you combine that with meat, if you want to or not, then you're just simmering it for a bit. Um, And I love it because my folks are from the South uh, with some cornbread Mm, as a side. mm. The recipe calls for you adding rice to it. Um, But when I made it last year, it was my attempt at counting a couple of calories. So I, (laughs) I omitted the rice, but it's so versatile. So that's the recipe that she designed. I found myself later adding it in the week. I added beans to it. Um, I added corn to it. You know, I think the third time I ate it, I added cheese to it. Um, So it really stretches across the week. It's um, a great serving size, if you will, you know, for a family of four or so um, or a bunch of leftovers if it's only one or two of you. Um, So that's why I was one of my favorites. And I'm a lover of chili. And that's really what um, the mindset was. I actually have a video on my website of the short version of that. Oh, you have a website too? YouTube channel. Oh, YouTube channel. Oh, YouTube. Okay. Yeah, that's um and I I love that you gave that recipe because again we try and eat what's in season, and cabbage mm-hmm. is in season, so yeah, it's there wonderful. It is, yeah. And we're veg and the weather is cold enough for it exactly. Too. <laughs> and we're vegetarian. And if you wanted to replace the beef, 
there's all kinds of options you can do, but we use uh, Gardein ground beef. So you can mm-hmm. definitely do something mm-hmm. like that too. And I'm a, you can do crumbled tofu, I'm sure too. Yeah, yeah, you, know. yeah you can. Um, the I find that the the Gardein um, crumbled beef crumbles, I don't know exactly what it's called, but they actually are pretty close to beef, you know? And so, mm-hmm. and the reason why I say that is because you can like share it with people that don't have that, you know, they don't like vegetarian food. You could almost slip mm-hmm. it to them and they wouldn't yeah. really yeah, be able yeah. to tell totally. So at some point it's a texture thing. Once you get it inside of a soup or something like yeah, that, you know, yeah. so depends on how you cook it, but well, that's awesome. So everybody, um, B underscore beta garden on Instagram and YouTube. And by the way, I subscribed to your YouTube channel while we were chatting. Oh, very cool. So, Thank you. Yeah. So well, I'll follow you and stuff like that. And I, I'm so th- thank you for coming on. I knew that you had something to share and, um, your Instagram is just, it's great. And go out and follow her because oh, she's, she's spread knowledge. She's got good tips and you get to see her trial and errors and all that stuff. And I think that's great, you know, instead of just showing like, oh, is everything so perfect? Like sometimes things don't work out that great. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have plenty of hashtag garden joy to share. But to your point, Ben, they're definitely, again, one of the joys for me is it's okay to, to stumble a yeah. bit. Right. And with this community that we have and kind of knowing each other, you know, online and outside of the interweb, like we're able to learn from each other, which is super cool. Right. And I'm super excited about the movie. Right. It felt like it's like it was written for me, the idea of backyard gardening. <laughs> I'm excited about it too. We had, we were expecting it to come out this year, but we had a little hiccup. So we're, we've pushed it back a little bit, but it's for the grand scheme of things, I think it's going to work out a lot better. So we're really okay, excited. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're excited too. Cause sometimes when you're making a movie, it was always that worry that like, Oh, they're not going to be very excited to see this or something. So it's, that's, I appreciate you saying that it's a, you know, I've done a couple short movies and stuff like that. This is my first solo feature length film and it's, it's been a process and I've learned so much doing it. And that's why I do the podcast is, I mean, it's like, I want the conversation to continue after the movie's over. And Absolutely. I was just literally watching on Netflix, um, a story about a, a guy out, um, I think he's in the UK where he goes around. It's like big garden dreams and small spaces. And it's that kind of thing. Like that's the kind of content that I'm most interested in. So if I am, if I have a device on, you know, television or otherwise, I won't say all of my time is spent watching this kind of material, but a lot of it is right. So I enjoy not only my own garden, but I enjoy watching other people and their garden experience. Um, But that's just me because I'm that wacky kind of guy. I mean, I watch (laughs) I'm as a documentary director. It'd be kind of shameful if I didn't watch them all the time, but I generally do and some of the most valuable lessons I've learned in my life and paths that I've taken have come from the introduction of the subject to me via a documentary I think it's all it's a great place for people to learn and it's an unfiltered way for knowledge to get out and it's like I tell everybody I just had this conversation the other day when you watch a documentary don't take it as gospel Go do your research yeah. afterwards. It's meant mm-hmm. to start a conversation, not finish it. And that's yeah, yeah. I love that. Start a conversation and not yeah, finish exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. You because know, it's like I, sometimes it's a nudge that people need. Yeah, too, right? you know, like we've got some experts and stuff talking, but still, it it doesn't mean that everybody knows everything, and your needs mm-hmm. are different than everybody else's. So it's just it's great to kind of share that and get it out there. So. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you so much, Batavia. I appreciate it, man. It's been a... Well, Ben, I appreciate you reaching out to me. I was, um, you know, that moment of, am I podcast ready? And I said, absolutely, I'm podcast. If I could do anything, I could talk about gardening. So I appreciate the invite. Um, appreciate your support, you know, my Instagram page, as well as my YouTube channel, and just being a, a fellow gardener. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so there's always that. So I thank and you. And you are 100% podcast ready. <laughs> this is the beginning of a takeover. There you go. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, I'll be in touch with you and uh, I'll thank you very much. So if you have any questions or want to know what we've been up to, you can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram. It's Backyard Gardens, the movie. And on Facebook, we also have a group. It's called Backyard Gardens. We have a website, backyardgardensthemovie.com. You can sign up there for an email to get updates about production and release dates for our movie. And give us a like and a review on iTunes or in your favorite services because it'll really help us reach more people. Because we want to help everybody learn to grow and grow for change. Cut. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in.